Is it maybe time that you start dropping the mask? Hello everyone and welcome to episode 54, Drop the Mask with Lian Romchik. What is very special about my guest today? It is more than her amazing, very touching story, which you are going to hear about in just a few moments. It is the fact that she is willing to share it in a book. She is the co-author of The Notes to My Younger Self, Volume 4, from the Pay It Forward series. I have got to admit that I am in a position where I went through that amazing process with Glenn writing the notes to myself. However, as I'm still processing it, I can only admire Leanne for her courage to have her story out there. This is amazing. Just a few words about Leanne because she'll be doing the talking today. As a CEO, mentor, author, advocate for the International Imperfectly Perfect Global Campaign, she is here with us today to give us an uplifting talk on what it means to drop the mask as one of Leanne's favorite quotes is, be free in your authenticity. As a disruptive thinker, Leanne is co-authoring the book Notes to My Younger Self, where you are going to find out how she literally lifted herself from the ground, and now she is inspiring millions to live their best lives. If this is not courage, I don't know what it is. Welcome, my dear. It is amazing to have you with us today. Thank you. God, that gave me the chills hearing that. Um, yeah, so goodness, where to start? Um, where do I start? Um, exactly. Where do you start when you have so much yeah. going on? Can you please yeah. share with us how has your story begun? Who is Leanne Romchik? I, you know, let me just say this. Anytime somebody would say, you know, tell me about yourself, you know, that question, tell me about yourself. I went through, I think my entire adult life until just a few years ago, not having an answer to those questions. People, you know, tell me about yourself. And immediately, um, I'm a single mom. I have two kids. That was my standard answer. Or, um, what's your, uh, what, what's your favorite food? I don't know. What's your favorite color? I don't know. What's your favorite hobby? Um, I go to the gym. And that was about it. And the, I, that just comes to my mind. It's like, I didn't know who I was, which is kind of sad for the longest time. I mean, I knew who I was, but I, I didn't know just the simple things um, until a few years ago. And that's, I think, I think that's a big part of or a, a result of carrying around and, and pretending and hiding um, and just pretending to be okay from, you know, the, the stuff, the grief that happened in 2007. And I don't want to say too much about the book, but I, but I do, you know what I mean? Because it won't make sense if I don't, but I do say in the book and I, I, it's, it's kind of bizarre. I, I've all, I know this and I've always wondered what life would have been like had, um, do you want me to explain? 
like split like should I just like okay my mom <laughs> my mom passed away um, of cancer and I can go more into that in a bit but um, and then nine weeks later my dad just suddenly uh, died and I'd gotten a divorce a year before um, and it was the, the reason was just just not pretty um, at all and so it, it's it just it's like I went through all that and, and so I'm a single mom new, newbie single mom you know and they both passed and um, I didn't I didn't know who I was when they passed away there's something strange about at least for me there was something strange about going along you know through life and then you know I'm an adult and you know I, I have kids they were five and seven I have a son and a daughter 23 and 20 now <clears throat> and it was the it was the night before my daughter's first day of kindergarten of all things, um, and when my mom passed, and um, it was like, and then when my dad, I, like it's still hard to even comprehend, but it's like I felt as if my foundation, you know, who I came from, you know, my mom and my dad and everything I knew, literally was just like ripped out from underneath me overnight. And you know, it's 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 hard to explain, like in regular words. It's, it's a feeling. It's a it's a it's a very scared, lonely, lost, big loss. Very much lost um, for a long a long time, I, I believe. Because after a while, I just went about life. Because that's what you do. I mean, that's what I I did. You know, I had two kids I had to raise, and I didn't. This is kind of where the whole hiding behind the mask came from. I didn't want my kids to see how sad I was, um, how much pain I was in, because they were young, and I thought I was protecting them. And I would, I mean, I, it's exhausting thinking about it, but I would get up every day, and the second, you know, I was in front of the kids or anybody, I was, I was good. You know, I was okay. I was good. I was fine. Okay, I'm fine. Like, those were the, the words I used. <laughs> and I wasn't. Oh, my goodness, I wasn't. But I, I didn't want anybody to see that. Um, and I don't know exactly where that comes from other than I... And I, I do go into a lot of detail about this in the book. I knew that if I even sort of halfway began to crack, not even break, but kind of just, just kind of crack, then um, I was going to fall to pieces. I mean, completely to pieces. Um, and I knew that. But that was a long answer to not even a question. But that's, that's where, back then... And I didn't re I didn't even know at the time, I'll say this, I didn't know at the time that I was doing so much damage to myself by <clears throat> pretending to be, I mean, yeah, by staying strong, like just, you know, staying strong all the time. I didn't allow myself to feel, I didn't allow myself to grieve. Um, in a way, just hearing me say this now, it's kind of like, it wasn't very nice to myself I wasn't very you know I didn't show a whole lot of um, patience or empathy towards that person me but you know at the time I didn't know how you know it's 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 
I tell you this, I mean, writing the book now and looking back to how things were, it has opened up so many memories and emotions, some good, some really not good questions that I can't ask my parents anymore. Um, so just, yeah, um, but carrying that mask around until it was the end of 2009 or beginning of 2010, right around that time when everything just, I, I cracked and then I broke. And it was because <clears throat> I'd gotten into it. Here I am just, you know, just, just put it all out there, but I just got, I'd gotten into a serious relationship and I felt safe with him. I, I felt safe and I, I, I see this now, but I started to let my guard down because I didn't have to be, you know, so strong all the time. And when I let it down, it just, I mean, all hell broke loose to tell you the truth. It, I, yeah. And it was, because uh, she died, well, they died in 2007, but she was diagnosed with cancer in 2004. So it was a long, it was a long, it was, a, it was four or five years of stuff. And none of it was, none of it was good. You know? So, yeah. So drop the mask. <laughs> that I mean, I didn't, that's the name of the business that I started after the pandemic. But that's kind of been the theme you know, all along is when I didn't allow myself to be real and just be authentic and be okay with falling apart, you know, whenever I needed to along the way in life, because that's just normal, you know, we, we all go through pain and stuff, and um, I just, I, I, I just didn't feel like I could. I had to be the role model for my kids, and ended up <laughs> not working out that way, you know, so. It was, it was, and is, and um, a lot of the consequences will stay with me until I take my last breath. And that's like I was telling you, that's a whole other book series. But um, I don't wear a mask anymore. I don't like the question, how are you, that casual question, because how do you answer that? Well, uh, you know, because anything, great, because, you know, we're not always great, and then I feel like I'm being the fake, you know, but. Yeah. Wow. So, you have... That was a long, that was a long answer. <laughs> I love it. And thank you for being so vulnerable and courageous at the same time and sharing this with our audience because it's an amazing life experience that we can learn so much from. So looking back, Leanne, Leanne would you say that maybe someone that is going through grief right now they could take your example and start to allow themselves to feel the actual grief? Or what would you say that the best way to deal with it all is? Yeah, so, you know, my thoughts on that, absolutely. you got to find an outlet or you got to be able to find... Trying to keep it all in is literally like a volcano that is going to erupt. One, it's going to come out sideways. Somehow, some way, whatever that looks like. Because that's just... That's just the way that we're, we're made. Our bodies are made. We, we aren't able to walk around like that. And I don't want to get all um, scientific, but it, but I, I'll say this because <clears throat> it's, it's rampant. Um, you know, autoimmune diseases or conditions, the, the, I mean, 
mean, they're rampant, but the rate of increase is just going higher and higher since the pandemic, higher and higher when people are, and I'm one of them that, you know, but I don't, I don't claim it, but yeah, I have a few diagnoses. Yeah, I have a few, but, um, and a lot of that, now that I've learned the science behind it is, you know, I'm trying so hard not to do this. We basically, our internal system, like sympathetic nervous system, parasympathetic and autonomic, it gets out of whack when we're stressed in fight or flight mode. And I lived in fight or flight for um, 14 years. So that being said, if there's a way to, to be able to talk to somebody when you're going through that, but realistically, and I don't like cliches and I don't like to say things that just everybody says, just because, I mean, why? <laughs> I know for me, I didn't want to feel the pain. So it's not like I wanted to let it out. But if I had somebody at that time that I felt, you know, something that I trusted and felt safe with, not, not the, not the, the, no, the ex-boyfriend now, but a, a friend, like a, a girlfriend, like, a, you know, um, not a romantic relationship at the time. I, I just feel like it would have been a safer outlet, I guess, for me. But everybody's different. Um, but I, I do know this. I think it's really, really unhealthy to sit in it um, and to let it make you feel like a victim in your life. Because once that mindset, it even sort of goes there, like you're, you're underwater. And I never like to see anybody feel like a victim. Because it's just that if you're a victim, you just there's so much more to life, great things about life. But when you're stuck or stuck, let's say in the past, if I was stuck, you know, you know, my mom died, then my dad died, and this is why I'm not able to do that. You know, we've always making excuses, and that's just a I don't want that for anybody because it's a it's a sad place to be. I know, I've been there. I mean, I've been to the place, and this is me being very vulnerable, but. I know that there's people out there that nobody really wants to tell anybody else that they've been in a place in their life where they just didn't really care if they woke up the next day. That's me trying to say it very um, carefully. You know, for whatever reason, whether that was just a fleeting thought or it was, um, you know, it was just a state that somebody was in. But I, <clears throat> not at my parents, well, it was at my parents died, but it was later. I remember very well where I was, where I was sitting, um, when the thought crossed my mind. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think anybody would care if I was here or not here. And I don't think I've ever, see, now I'm about to cry. I don't think I've ever shared that. Like out, you know, out, <laughs> live in public. But, uh, I, I, I mean, I was there. And it, stuck with me and there was only one reason that I could see sort of kind of everything was very dark um, you know, figuratively and the, the one thing and I haven't told them but the one thing that pulled me out of it was my kids ate a mom and that was me that was like you know if you can imagine me just on the fetal position on the floor and one you know everything dark and one 
tiny little bit, bitty ray of light coming through, and that was the message I got. And um, I mean, I was very weak, had eaten, and God knows how long. I was just in bad times, but it was like baby steps, like literally baby steps. You know, what that might have looked like. Okay, let me try to sit up and get some water because I want to live because I have kids. You know that. And sometimes it, 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 it that sounds like a big thing, but it was small. It, it's small and it's big at the same time. But it's like I, had that not that message or that thought not come through, I don't I don't know what the course of my life would look like. So well, I know, yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm just getting goosebumps now. And I'm sure that many people are relating to your story in a way or another. And I have to thank you again for sharing this with us. It's just uh, absolutely amazing how you got to lift yourself up. So can you please tell us again, what was that message that got you to be really conscious that, hey, I want to live. This needs to stop. I'm going to go in a different direction from now on. You know, it it's really sad, and I haven't, I don't think I've really ever shared this either. Well, I know I haven't. Um, and I won't mention names, but during that time period, I, I there was somebody that I overheard in my life that said I would be better off not here, which was I mean, I was. It wasn't like I was that bad, <laughs> but it was. It was a, a yeah. Um, and, but that hearing that, whether you believe it or you don't believe it, and you're down already, it's it just it's like being kicked even further down. And so that had happened, and uh, that's when it all just. Just got really, really, really heavy and dark, and <clears throat> I wasn't looking for a reason. I wasn't looking for, you know, uh, what what's something I could hang on to. So maybe you know I'd have like some hope or the will to just keep going forward. I wasn't, I wasn't trying. I was, I I thought like a, the end was going to come like within hours. Like it was, it was not good. And I mean, I. I believe in God, you know, some people say higher power in the universe or, you know, something bigger than me, I can tell you that, but that's where the, just the thought came through that uh, I, I, I wasn't willing to do it for myself, but I was willing, meaning pick myself back up for myself, but I was willing to do it for my kids, which in a way that speaks volumes, of course I would do it for my kids, but I... I, I had such a little belief in myself, or I don't know if it's self-worth or what it was, but I was just, I was just empty and sad and lost and tired and weak, you know, all of that stuff. And yeah, and I, it, and I think about that. And I'm like, my kids are like my angels. And that's what I have called my daughter forever. Just my angel, and then looking back, she's twenty now. Looking back, I'm like, wait a minute, that's what my mom called me. Now that's what my grandmother, my mom's mom, passed away in February, and uh, 
she was like the last, you know, like she was, you know, mama. <laughs> we called her mama. And um, that was tough, but she called me angel. And I'm like, you know, it's interesting how things, synchronicity, when you really look back and you're no longer in that dark, depressed, I don't want to know, I don't know if I want to live place. But, you know, like, you know, the sun's out and the trees and, um, you know, it just, yeah. Did yeah. I answer the question? Did I, yeah, I answered the question. <laughs> I don't remember what you, you asked. You got me teary-eyed because this is very... This is so much strength that you managed to create for yourself. And just... Well, I hope that you are so proud of yourself, Leanne, for getting yourself up there. You know, I, I don't know that I'm... I don't, I'm really glad I'm not where I was. I can tell you that. I'm. It, life is so crazy. I mean, I'm. I, I look back. My kids are 23 and 20. You know, I'm not in my 30s. And I look back, and sometimes I wonder why. I never said why me, but I did. I I've always wanted to know why did it take so long, in my opinion, to. Yeah really tap into the gifts that I feel like God gave me. Like, what, you know, why? I don't know, but uh, maybe because I needed to go through all of the things I went through so that I could share them and help somebody else. I don't know. Um, but I was about to say something. I just lost my train of thought. Yep, don't remember. No worries. Maybe, Leanne, everything that happened to you got you in this point of you co-authoring in this amazing Notes to My Younger Self book. So now that you can reach millions of people that really need this. Yeah. And you know the crazy... I'll explain kind of how all of this came about. I've always... Not always, but in the past few years, I've thought, you know, I would love to write a book one day, you know, that'll go through your mind and one day, right? Um, and right before the pandemic happened, in November 2019 is when I got my first diagnosis and I was told I have zero immune system and blah, 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 and then, you know, pandemic comes. So I spent, my dog and I, puppy and I spent um, a lot of time in isolation, you know, two of us in isolation, because I, you know, I didn't know, I, I still didn't understand what was going on health-wise and what it really meant. Um, but during that time, that isolated, lonely time, and I don't like to be isolated. I'm a people person, you know, I enjoy just people, period. Um, but being isolated, it's like everything got, not everything, but for the most part, everything got quiet. Because I was, I was, am, it was, uh, a mentor, I, <laughs> I was a mentor, I am a mentor, and a coach teaching people um, on a global level how to start their own online business and grow it and da da da. And I had partnered with two guys out of Canada, love them to death. Um, but you know, it was busy. It was, it was busy and it was loud. So when the pandemic hit, the world shut down, right? And it's like all the exterior, like all the everything, all the noise went away, and. I know this is going to sound really out there, but this is the best way I can explain it. 
it's as if the noise went away and internally, like in my brain, it, it felt like there were, work with me here, a bunch of rooms, you know, like a bunch of, like a lot of lights out, kind of, like it, and once things began to, it's like my perspective, my perception expanded, but yet my world was getting smaller. Uh, but when I say like lights turning on, it's like, I just, I, I discovered what my favorite color was, you know, what, you know, who I was and what I enjoyed doing. And I forgot I had this whole creative side, which is now out of control, but I, I just, a lot of things I didn't know about myself. Um, that's when I started drop the mask. Um, but then my health was just, you know, not the best. However, um, I kept doing whatever I could do and finding solutions and all this and that. So I was not so much out there on social media. I was a little bit more reserved, inward focus. And it was a random day and I was not well that day. And I was on my phone looking for Dr. Joe Dispenza's, um, a, a local group here in Houston. And, um, Imperfectly Perfect popped up in my newsfeed and I've been talking about being perfectly perfect for so long. And then, you know, as they, so then, you know, I, I'm looking at the link and then I go to the website and then I'm binging the podcast and YouTube and I got there and just how everything came full circle. And then, you know, I met Glenn and got on a zoom with him and we on there for probably an hour at least. And the next thing you know, I'm writing a book about the most painful experience of my entire life detail for detail, very specific, and I didn't know, I, I didn't know, I knew, I remember details, but not that detailed, and once I started writing, it was just, I was the one, because we had, you know, a certain limit, like how many pages per certain sessions, and I was the one that was way over every time, every time, like, what am I going to cut out, I mean, but, and I kept the extra pages, but it's just, it was very, um, it stirred up a lot of emotions. And one thing I think is just a huge, and I think you mentioned that you did this with Dana, it's just such a healing exercise with enlightening too, is going, you know, now, you know, writing the note and writing about the, the painful experience from the place where I am now, and, you know, looking back and seeing that that woman that was going through, just, I don't even have the words, but worse than pain, it just, uh, and looking back, and then I think it takes me back to my parents and growing up and not, and just, it, it's almost like I, I'm starting to put the pieces of the puzzle together about why maybe something happened maybe when I was younger and why this, because I, you know, I, I grew up with a very um, strict mom for the most part. She wouldn't be perfect. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't work. That doesn't exist. But I had to be a perfect size, a perfect weight. I had to look at, you know, all of that. So I grew up with a bunch of just pressure. And I'm pretty sure that's probably where my I got to be strong, I got to be strong came from. But it's like she passed away, and I, I can look back and see. I kind of feel sad, to tell you the truth, for her, because I think she was sad. 
issues. It's just, it's like I'm all grown up now and I can look back at that person and, and who I was younger and, and not feel, my dad never told me he loved me. And that, I mean, that still hurts, but I can look back now and see not why, but I can, I see it a little differently. It's not about he didn't love me because I know he loved me. Still, it's, it's, you know, but it's a very healing thing to do, to look back at maybe that little girl or that little boy or whatever age it was and almost, like, it, this is what we did with the note to yourself is tell that person, you at that age, what you needed to hear back then. And I know there's a, I think, what is, there's a, I haven't done the, the therapy, but it is, it's ch child, what, what is, it's your inner child. Right? Something like that? Yeah. I think similar to that. But another long answer to your question. I'm loving it. It just, you know, Leanne, it makes me think back to not too long ago, just a few months ago, when Glenn also helped me cure. I can say he helped me heal this social phobia. So, Leanne, I had this thing when... If I did not have makeup on, I would rather prefer to die in this instant than go outside. I would not be able to show my face online if I have not had the best makeup on ever. And yep. Glenn helped me with that so much so I can relate. I can see so many similarities that I was so sad because... As your mom was, when you think you need to fit a certain standard that right. doesn't really exist out there, it's only in our minds. And what the human mind does, it just amplifies everything to such right. huge extents that you just have no idea where it comes from. Yeah. And we just don't need to even know where it really comes from as long as we get conscious of it. And yeah. thank God you broke free and you got aware of what are the steps that you need to be taking from now on to heal yourself completely. And I know you are an advocate for Imperfectly Perfect campaign. Can you please tell us what does being imperfect and perfect mean to you now, today? It means I can breathe and just be just be who I am. It doesn't mean I have to be anything or try to please anyone. I can just, I can just breathe. That's wow. the best way I can explain it. Because wow. I know where I was feeling like I had to be this or I had to, you know, just, just all of the be a certain way depending on who I needed to be a certain way for. I was like that chameleon. That was it's dying inside. That's exactly why I didn't know my favorite color, my favorite food, because you know I was avoiding conflict. That was a big one. Having avoiding, con you know, just a lot of, a lot of just not the greatest characteristic. But at the same time, you not you, but if somebody would have looked at me and never thought that. I, I mean, I I didn't have like you know like. I don't know how to explain it. I know I'm, I'm kind of painting myself out to be a train wreck my whole entire life. But it wasn't at all. I just, 
internally, I'm just being so open and sharing what I felt. Because I don't want to forget it. I don't ever want to go back there, and I don't ever want to ever get back, like, get, get that down. But I don't want to forget where it was, where I was and what it felt like because I know that there's somebody else that's feeling something similar. And I want to be able to help or relate or be aware if, if you know, if somebody's going through that. Because it's not always, it's definitely not easy to, you know, speak up and say, hey, you know, I don't feel like I, I want to get up tomorrow. It, that's really yeah. hard and rare. So it's almost like I feel, not that it's my duty, but it, it, I, I was given that horrific time in my life. I, I feel to gift in a way to help somebody else so I don't want to just say you know what I'm better and go on life it's just not what it's about thank god you decided to write this book and <laughs> I wanted to ask you so that our listeners and the people watching us have this first glimpse of what it means to go through such a great trauma and escape from it what would you say that the biggest lesson that you learned from your past is? Oh, wow. Other than what I talked about, you know, as far as <clears throat> wearing a mask for so long, other than that part, I, the, the following events that were not so great in my life, all had a pattern also and it was always centered around my heart so i would you know avoiding conflict i would in a sense give my power away to someone else to avoid the conflict or just to keep the peace because i didn't want to hurt again and giving my power away over and over was also detrimental, destructive to my self-worth, my confidence. And then at that point, I began to teach people how to treat me, which wasn't with respect. So as hard as it is to not give your power away, you got to find a happy medium. Like, you know, Standing your ground when you know, you know, that whatever it might be, you know, what something's right or wrong, whatever. But it can be as simple as where do you want to, you know, you're with your husband or your wife or whomever, where do you want to go eat? Oh, I don't care. Where do you want to go? You know, just like always appeasing, 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 because eventually the resentment builds towards that person or people. So the resentment builds and the self worth goes down. And then that's just another recipe for disaster. Wow. I know that many of us can relate to people-pleasing. I used to be what a specialist in people-pleasing. And you know, Leanne, I can still sometimes see myself because I can observe myself after years and years of working with my emotions. I can see myself when I'm going in that direction. It's... Yeah. Not fun at all, but thank God, as you say, that now things are different. We need to educate ourselves first not to fall into this victim mode 
And then the energy that we send out to everyone around us is completely different. Like I'm here to be loved, respected exactly as I am, not needing to be someone's uh, toy or someone's um, playground, right? Right. And you know, the crazy thing is, is that, you know, I know we'll minimize ourselves, you know, when we're not wanting to, you know, stand up or just, you know, we just, we're appeasing again, or what do you call it? So we minimize who we are. And then, once again, hindsight, you know, in the grand scheme of things, let's say you walk into a room, it's a party or it's a meeting or whatever, and you guys probably have heard this example, but you know, with, with that feeling when you walk in and maybe you don't have makeup on and you're like, oh my God, or your makeup looks horrible or your, your clothes or you're just not feeling it that day. You just think, oh my God, everybody's looking at me, you know, this and that. When in reality, so many other people are feeling the same way, you know, about themselves. They're thinking, this, they're not looking at, at you or me, so to speak. And I had somebody tell me one time, Leanne, you're just not that important. Because it was one of those where, you know, everybody's staring at me or, you know, just hypothetically. Leanne, you're just not that important. It's like, oh, I guess I'm not. Or, you know, feel like everybody's talking about you and maybe they're not. But it's, you know, our minds, conversations we have in our head that can be, um, that can be, I, I think I've probably been, hard, been harder on myself than anybody else has been. Well, other than one person on me, if that makes any sense. We beat ourselves up. And it shouldn't be that way. Indeed, learning to be kind to us takes a lot of work. I know that I'm still working on this. And Leanne, I noticed that sometimes I'm not even aware of my interior dialogue. It's just so strongly imprinted in years and years of just beating myself, of saying my hair is not on point. And as you were talking just a few seconds ago, today apparently is not the best day for my hair. <laughs> it's not the best day for some technical things. I keep pulling it and I keep pulling it and it makes me so happy because I managed in a few months of working with myself to shift the energy to say, it's okay. It's just hair. It's just makeup. It's just clothing. I'm so much more. I'm yeah. actually, I have nothing to do with the exterior. It's what's happening here in the heart. And it took me so long to understand this because I would be feeling like you. If one stray, if, if one um, hair would just be looking <laughs> strange, I would be thinking, Everyone is going to think that I'm a loser. Oh my God, I would go to the yeah. university where I would think that you know, if all of the girls, all of the ladies would be looking amazing, polished, with their makeup on point, with their amazing hair. But I think that in the back of their minds, they would maybe thinking, I look like a mess. I should not be here in public right now. So it's us being kind to ourselves. I think it's just the key to success in life. What do you it's, think? Absolutely. And, and it's a process. I mean, you know, it's like it's like a practice, you know. Yeah. And not to get all scientific, but just to, I'll just say this. So 
we all have done this for the most part. You know, we go through life, like you said, you know, we have just the same repetitive thoughts or conversation that we're telling ourselves or thinking. And we do every single time we have the thought. We're it, like we have neural pathways going to our brain. So that thought goes to the brain. And it's like we are digging, let's say, a ditch, like, dig, you know, make it it's deeper and deeper every time we have that thought. And in order to combat that and, and do the opposite, it takes practice. But I do know this, that if you're practicing, let's say, you know, I, my one hair is out of place, you switch over here, thank goodness I have hair. Because you know, if I had cancer and did chemo, maybe I wouldn't. And shifting it and then adding gratitude in some way kind of accelerates the digging of the ditch over here, if that makes any sense. And then that one eventually can be covered up. So it's a process. It's definitely not overnight. But I don't know if you feel this way, but as time went on and you slowed down on the maybe the more critical comments and you started doing things that were like esteemable, that built your, built your self-esteem, did you feel like it was kind of a snowball? Like it just you felt better? So you did better things and you felt better? Exactly. I mean, the good did not stop. For a few months since I got to be aware of just letting go of expectations, letting go of the exterior, validating myself. I would need so much exterior validation from literally everyone and anyone I would meet. So when I read about you, about dropping the mask, I said, okay... I think there's still a lesson for me because I still have some thoughts coming to my mind that I'm going to deal with the next few days because you've given me such amazing food for thought. And my dear, I wanted to ask you, how has your journey with fear has transformed through the years? How do you see fear? I used to see fear as like this gigantic mountain that I, could, I mean, I could never even score attempt to tackle. And then as I do have a little rebellious side to me. I always have. And now, and it's, again, it's been a process. It's like the more things that were terrifying that I, I'm not going to say I walked it through all of them. Because sometimes, I mean, I, I literally, I crawled through fear or through it to get to the other side, but I got there. And after doing that with every time fear came up in my life, it's almost like I've become, not that I've become confident about that, but I've, I've just, I've just had so much practice, I guess, that I realized not, nothing that I feared that I made up in my mind ever came to fruition to the extent, you know, I mean, I, you know, we, 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 we catastrophize things in our head sometimes as, you know, think the worst scenario. And that's, again, it's digging the ditch, but it, it not, none of that ever came true. And I know for a lot of people, those things don't come true. And, and I just began to look fear kind of in the face, kind of like, not why me, try me kind of thing. Like, I mean, I'm still here and I'm happy and I'm, and I'm, I'm doing well and fear hasn't knocked me down again. It did, 
but I don't ever let it get to that point. And one thing I, I, I do want to say this it started 2016. I don't know where this came from, but I, this is when I started the business with partners in that, um, in Canada. I, in my first time to start getting on camera and everything, uh, I decided I was going to do something every single day that was uncomfortable. I was going to do something on my comfort zone. It didn't have to be anything, you know, big and enormous, but something I had to make a conscious effort to do something maybe uncomfortable. And I have continued that. I'm sure there's days I've missed, but that, that, that thought process, I haven't stopped. And I think that's been a huge part of expanding what I know I'm capable of and what I see and so forth, which minimizes the fear in front of me. My biggest fear, well, I don't even want to put it out there, but yeah, I don't even like to put it out there, but my biggest fear has been fear of some, of loving somebody, anybody in my life, if I love somebody, that they're going to pass away. And that fear, it, it, it stuck with me until, I mean, probably about a couple of years ago. Not that I don't have that fear anymore, but it, I mean, paralyzing fear. Where you know I built the walls and you know wouldn't open my heart and let anybody in. And the second I felt like they were maybe gonna kind of start getting into my heart, maybe kind of hurt me. Oh no, no, I'm good. No, so there's so many lessons, and I would never get them all right, but I'm certainly better than I was. Wow. Thank you for sharing this. And as I'm hearing you share these amazing feelings and thoughts, I'm thinking that maybe life is all about just putting one foot in front of the other and that's it because we basically never know what's coming as much as we prepare and plan and organize our lives. Things sometimes fall apart but maybe when they fall apart, it's when they fall together. So I yeah. think that as long as you keep on going, you're just living your best life. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. It, it's a in I in a weird way. I couldn't stand it when people would say this, but in a way, it's almost like a choice or a choice to to work on your perception because I should have probably lost my life seven times now seven not, times seven not, times because i tried to take my life at all but just be, wow. just different things and i and, and it's i mean i've had a stroke i've had two head injury you name it it's like i've had it and it's oh it's my like, god i'm still here like i have nine lives or something like i'm still like i'm still yeah I mean, yeah. you've told me some unbelievable things and I thought, okay, Leanne could not say anything that could make <laughs> no, me no, even more surprised. But it's amazing how much strength and determination to live you got from your amazing children, from God, from the universe. Call it any way you want to. But this is just amazing. It's like, thank God you have all these lives like a cat that always, I mean, literally the metaphor of the cat always falling down on their uh, paws, on all four paws, is just amazing. And you always got to lift yourself up. 
I can only count the days until I get my hands on this book because the more <laughs> I I found out about you the more curious I am to see all your journey all of your emotions everything that you went through it's just unbelievably fascinating and healing at the same time so my dear can you please share with us about the book your thoughts your emotions uh, anything that you can say about it i you know when when and i don't even remember how the the subject came up about what we're supposed to think about writing about i don't remember what was said i don't remember anything all i remember is immediately i knew I was going to write about the most painful event in my life. And that, I mean, that's kind of the, what we were supposed to do, or the most transformative. And that's where the beginning of things just changed. And I, I, I began to write, and it was like I couldn't believe that I was writing about my own life. And I didn't sit there, and I sat, like, right, the, well, the furniture is moved, but all on the couch, I sat there for nine hours, I went to the bathroom, you know, came back, but nonsense, and I couldn't stop writing, and it was very healing, but it was also very disturbing, um, because I wrote, and I'll just, like, for example, I, and I didn't hold back the details, you know, I, my mom passed, and I was very specific about that, and then very specific about everything, my dad passing, down to the sound of the wheels from the gurney that his body was on because my mom was just on the gurney going down the same steps, you know, just the same purse, you know, the same driver, the same funeral home on auto value, just all of it. And um, going to the cemetery again, you know, I did my, I, I gave the eulogy for my mom at her funeral and I spoke to my dad. And then nine weeks later, I'm somehow standing in the same place giving the eulogy for my dad. It it's still so surreal and in a just a nightmare in a way. Uh, but for some reason, going this stands out so clearly. Unfortunately, um, a lot of the details that I wish I didn't see, didn't remember, still haunt me in a way. But going to the cemetery now for my dad and the same people standing around. I mean, it was just like deja vu and a real bad nightmare. But the worst was trying to have a, a service, graveside service, with a huge heaping pile of fresh dirt on top of my mom's grave and putting my dad down. I mean, it's just, it's just like that Something like that is kind of like, really? You know? It's like, I don't know, and I don't know that I'll ever know why it had to be back-to-back. -back. It had to be so, oh, I don't even know the word. Like, he, my dad died. Um, I, I was so angry. I didn't have an autopsy done, but the paramedics told me he passed away before he hit the floor. I, you know, I didn't really want to hear that, but like because of the way he was found, um, and things like, and I don't know, maybe you have an idea of why this would happen, but uh, in the 
in their house, the hallway had my I'm divorced, but had my uh, my bridal picture that my mom loved of me hanging up. Um, and he died right underneath my picture, and his head went through the wall, right centered underneath my photo. And it's like, you know, and I I wrote about that in the book. It's just like I, you know, little things like that. I've asked myself, like, what is the symbolism? Why, why, why that? You know, all just yeah. And I don't know the answers, and I may not ever know till um, one day. But so yeah, it was writing the book and remembering all of that because I remembered, but I don't, I don't think back to it all and go through the details, but. Writing all of that, it was just, just um, almost scary how many details I could remember 15 years later. That that speaks volumes too, because that's it's kind of like that's how deep it affected me and how ingrained all of it was inside of me, you know, in, me, in my memories and just the experiences. But you know, on a conscious level, everyday level, I don't think about it, but it's there. That's what was almost bizarre. It's kind of like, what, what other memories are there, you know? But I remember before my dad died, after my mom died, so in between, I remember uh, thinking to myself, one day I'm going to use this experience to help somebody else. One day. And I didn't know what that looked like. Um, and, you know, I, I, I should probably mentioned the part about my mom and her last words are a big um, big reason why I've stepped out and tried to be of service to other people which in return it's okay right before my mom passed away and I'll end with this <clears throat> she was um, in a coma for a few days and she was paralyzed so couldn't understand her and she was pretty much not there and um, the hospice nurse said that, you know, it was time she was going. I'm trying not to give all the details, but I, my brother and I went in there, and I had never been around anybody that passed away before until then. But she woke up, opened her eyes, both of them, which that, that wasn't the case before. And she spoke. She whispered. She didn't speak loud, but I could understand her. And she said, she was alert, very bizarre. I've heard that this happens, but it was just, she said, Leanne, promise me something. And I mean, I could hear her clear as could be, and I said, uh, anything, I, you know, anything. She said, promise me the irony of it. You'll stop putting everybody else first in your life. Promise me. You need to take care of yourself. Um, I said, I promise. And then um, she said, I love you. I said, I love you. And went back three different times and then she never took another breath and I never fulfilled her promise until um, I don't feel like I ever did until I started standing up for myself and taking my life back but that wasn't immediately by any means so in a way writing the book you know that being a healing process and just talking about it it's like I'm I'm putting everybody I'm putting I'm putting this all first, you know. It's not 
me first or somebody else first. It's like a we thing. I don't have to be last. I don't have to be the chameleon. And I get to just be myself and fulfill her promise, my promise. And that's, yeah. So just all of it means so much, like the IPC and the book and how it all came about. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm uh, lost for words, so I'm going <laughs> to... Say? I mean, what can you say to this? I mean, honestly, what can you say to this? So I'm going to invite our audience watching us on either YouTube or on Instagram, listening on Spotify, to just send us a note. Can you just add anything to what Leanne has just said? So, my dear, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I had a feeling that this is going to be something that I have not experienced before. So much pure and beautiful emotion. Your heart is just amazing. Thank you for being so raw and so pure and so open with us. Thank you for sharing all of these amazing experiences. And my dear, before we go, can you please tell us where can our audience get in touch with you? Because yes. everyone will want to, to have a talk with you. Yeah, you know what I did last night? I actually, I went ahead and got a business text number. So I could just, you guys can text me. And it's easier than trying to find my email and then the website. They don't even ask what happened to that. But is it okay if I just give you the number? Yes, that, please. Yeah. Please do. Okay, it's make sure I get the right number. It's three four six two zero six zero nine nine nine. I'm gonna double check that. Three four six two zero six zero nine nine nine. Wonderful. And I've been wanting to do that for a long time, but that way, you know, it, I, I would love for anybody to text me. Let me know who you are, so I know it's not like some stalker. That happens too, but um, and then I, I my website uh, is dropthemass.co and um, I it's, it, it, don't even ask. I don't even I don't even well, GoDaddy. Yeah, GoDaddy had I think there's a little miscommunication, but that will be back up dropthemass.co and then my socials. So. Wow, thank you so much. I also wrote a number down because I'm going to add it in the description of our session for today. I'm sure that everyone will want to get in touch with you, my dear I'd love again. To anybody, really. I'm, I'm, I, I, I really would. So ask me anything, say anything, I think, for the most part. Thank you so much. And I cannot... Literally, I cannot wait to read your full stories on the notes to my younger self coming in about a month, a month and five days. So oh my gosh, that's crazy. this is going to be amazing. Issues. <laughs> wow, this is going to be amazing. So thank you again, my dear. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you.